Our relationship with Jesus is by faith and not by how well we perform. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more because then I'll have more of Jesus. No, he says, no. Here's the word of faith, the righteousness that you and I live in. I love Jesus. He loves me. I have all of him and he has all of me. It's that simple. It's the word of righteousness, the word of faith that's in our mouths, in our hearts, right where we're at, the life that we live. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. We're in the New Covenant, but many still live as if they were in the Old, living by the law, by performance, rather than by grace through faith. Hello, and thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll be covering Romans chapter 10, where God calls us into a relationship with Him based on love, not how well we perform. It's a much-needed reminder. Here now is Pastor Ed. Well, it's easy to get to a place as a Christian where you begin to measure all of your activity because you have to. I mean, after all, now you're a Christian, and so you do the things that you do now because, well, I have to. And so I'll serve because I have to, or I'll read because I have to, or I'll come to church because I have to, or I'll give of my tithes and offerings because I have to. And it's a common trap that many Christians fall into. If you were to ask them to spell Christianity, they would spell it capital D, capital O. It's all about doing for the Lord. And I do for the Lord because I have to. But really, when that attitude creeps up, we've missed something entirely in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've completely missed the point. Open to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 because a great illustration of this is in our giving of our finances unto the Lord through the church for the work of the ministry, the giving of our tithes and offerings. Paul has something to say to the church in Corinth then and to us here in Aurora today, beginning in verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, is it giving that Paul is really focusing on, or is it the heart of the one that's giving? Is it giving the act, or is it the heart of the giver? I would propose to you that it's the heart. That Paul is speaking, the Holy Spirit inspiring him to the heart of believers about how we give. And he gives a negative and a positive. The negative is when you give, don't give grudgingly. You can circle that word and right next to it or in the margins you could write annoyed. Because that's the idea from the original language. That you are giving and you're annoyed about it. Or the word could also mean sorrow, pain, afflicted, a heaviness. 
He says, when you give, don't give with some heaviness. Don't be annoyed about it. For us, the picture would be, you know, taking that check or taking that offering envelope and you're right there at the offering box and you're just so upset about it and you're annoyed about it and you're worried about this and I don't know about that. And Paul would say, don't give that way. Don't give with a grudging heart. And we have to ask ourselves, is our service unto Jesus through giving or any other area of our lives for that matter causing great sorrow and annoyance? I mean, is your service to Jesus causing you pain? Are you annoyed that from your hand to the offering box is going your hard-earned cash and you could actually use it here or do it there? Listen, listen, if your heart today or any time is one of a grudge or of necessity, or that word also means compulsion, and that's really where your heart is, don't give. Keep it. Put it right back in your pocket and take it home and use it however you want to use it. The Bible's clear that God's heart is not for our heart to be one of grudge and annoyed, as if we're doing something like we're doing God a favor when we give back to him a portion of what he's given to us. He says, don't do it, just keep it. Hold on to it. Don't allow giving to become this grudge in your life. You see, if you can't give cheerfully, then you have a problem with your heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a more money issue. It's not to have a little extra at the end of the month issue. It's a heart issue. Whether you have much or you have little. The attitude of the heart in our giving. You know, giving giving is God's heart for you and I to grow as a disciple. That's his heart for us. And he uses a lot of things in our lives to grow us and mature us. And one of the things he uses is giving, our finances. He uses that which he's entrusted to us and through it will grow us. You know, because it's easy to become very self-centered. It's easy to become very selfish. It's easy to justify why we don't give or why we don't want to give or why we have a grudge or whatever it might be. And it's God's heart. You know, it's not God's heart through giving to raise funds for the church. It's not a fundraising activity from God. You say, okay, everybody, we've got this big goal and let's go ahead and raise all the money, put the thermometer up. You know, isn't that cool? They put those thermometers up. I like to put one up with pennies in it. That would kind of be cool, you know, put it right here. and, And no, we would never do that, would we? You were here with us when we went from the school into this facility. We trusted the Lord. And that is the pattern of our church. We're going to trust the Lord. We're not going to use artificial means to try to stir you up to do something that you don't want to do. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's between you and the Lord. It's your heart. It's your spiritual life. You know, we plead with you and we teach you to get right with the Lord because your heart and your spiritual life affects us as a congregation. And so in the realm of giving, he says, God loves a cheerful giver, one who realizes that God is the source of all things in our lives. And it's a blast, it's a joy to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, in our lives. It's not God's way of fundraising. It's God's way of raising kids. Because I'll tell you, every time you and I give unto the Lord, we give a little bit of our selfishness away. We give a little bit of our discontentment away. We step out in faith for some and take that step. And every time we give, we put ourselves in a place of trusting God all the more. 
You see, the alternative, of course, is we got all these issues, we got all these problems, we're deep in debt over here because of bad decisions, or we, we're struggling right now, we're not, we don't have work, or we're underemployed, and so I'm just going to pull back, and I'm going to control everything, and I'm going to take care of everything, and you know, God, in the realm of giving, I'm going to put you to the side until we get things in order, then when we think get things in order, then we'll step up and start to give. But that's a hard issue, as well as a control issue, that I would encourage you to go into your prayer closets and seek God. And you're like, by now, some of you are like, oh, man, here it comes. The church is in trouble. We have finances are low. And Pastor Ed has pulled the giving message out of the box. So he might manipulate and turn us. And we're going to take multiple. Anybody have a hat? We've got an extra offering to go today. No, 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 no. The church is doing fine. Everything's great in our fellowship. God has always and will continue to provide for all of our needs. That's not the issue here at all. We study through the Bible. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we address any of the topics that come up as they come up. And giving comes up quite a bit in the scriptures. And it ties really well in today with our time in Romans. No, here's the issue that's before us. It's not that there's some great need in the church and now we need to stir up the people. It is for your discipleship and your growth because we have and we are a part of a very faithful congregation in the realm of giving of their finances, their tithes and offerings in the history of our church. Never once has a bill gone unpaid or unmet or even paid late because of a lack in our congregation. The church here that you guys are faithful. However, I have to say, That for some of you, as I share that faithfulness, you can't share in it because you're not faithful. And you've chosen to disobey in this area. And that's your life. And it's affecting all of your life. Because it's really just a symptom. Whether you measure it in money, or you measure it in attitude, or you measure it in your marriage, or in your discontentment, or in your singleness, whatever it might be, it can all come back and see it's just a symptom of your life not being right with the Lord. Your heart's not right. It's not if this happens down the road. It's what are you doing right now? Are you faithful with what the Lord has given you? Are you faithful with your heart? And is your heart just so full of joy that you're saved, that you're walking with the Lord, that he's blessed you, that he's the provider, and that he is going to show himself faithful? Flip over to Proverbs chapter 3, would you? I want you to be able to share through the faithfulness of your giving in the work of the ministry here. To know not the way the world wants it. The world wants you to be a consumer. And the world has made us consumers. It's all about us. And we want the best service. And we want this. And we want that. And and before you know it, it's all about us. And that spills over into the church. And one way to measure it is in giving. You know, I think it was D.L. Moody that said, if you really want to know where a person invests his life, If you really want to know how strong spiritually they are and where they are spiritually, all you would need to do is ask them for their checkbook and watch where they invest their money. Because as you follow the trail of their money, you watch their heart follow right behind. In Proverbs chapter 3, notice verse 9, would you? We are told very specifically, very clearly, church, to honor the Lord with your possessions. And the first fruits of all your increase. And so the promise is that your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. God will honor the giving heart. The heart that says, you know, God, everything that I have is yours. It's not mine. And I honor you with it. I honor you. It's a heart issue. 
And we can measure our hearts before the Lord in relationship to our giving. And I pray our hearts will be in tune with his, that we would be cheerful givers. That in the realm of disobedience in giving, that there would be repentance. And we would open up a new channel for God to entrust us with more of his resources. More of what he has for us. Here at Calvary, I want you to understand, please, never feel pressured to give. Never feel some undue, crazy, heavy pressure to give. I want you to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, to obey him. Not to respond to the manipulations of man or some system or some pledge drive or some campaign. We really believe in this fellowship and live by it in our own hearts and lives that where God guides, he provides. We believe it. We believe it as a church and we live that way as a church. That all of the staff and those that work here by the tithes and offerings of the church do so by faith. And at any time that there's a need for us to go find employment outside of the church to continue the work of the ministry, that's what we'll do. We all know that. And we're open. We're trusting in the Lord. And you know, I tell you, never feel this pressure to give. But also never feel like you're okay if you're disobeying in giving. Oh, it's no problem. Because what will happen is you'll skip and skip and skip. And before you know it, your heart's hard and you don't even realize it. And then it spills into every other part of your life because you're not faithful here, you're not faithful over here, and then you're not faithful over there. And before you know it, it's just a big mess. And you don't want to mess as a Christian, especially in the days in which we live. It's always a sad thing, I think, to watch a Christian who's given something to the Lord and then a day or two later start to bemoan the fact that they gave it to the Lord. Oh, I can't believe that we gave that. I can't believe... Oh. Why do, we, oh, why do we do that? I can't, what's going to happen now? I gave it to the Lord and I expected this barn to be overflowing and nothing really happened. And no, man, what am I, I don't even have a barn, man. I don't even know what's going on there. <laughs> Start to moan and complain and to whine. It's sad. I mean, because if the Lord prompted you to give unto him, then why would you bemoan him? Oh, I've seen others. It's Equally sad to see others give unto the Lord and then they start to complain and bemoan because they didn't get any attention for what they gave. It's like, nobody thanked me for my great offering unto the Lord. Pastor, it didn't bring me up to the stage and yay, look what he's done. Look how much he's given. That's sad, man. I'm used to that. What's well, not going to happen here? We don't do that. We want you to give unto the Lord. And when you give unto him, you don't want the applause of man because that's the only reward you're going to get got that clap and that's it that's all you're going to get but see when you give unto the lord when i give unto the lord he rewards openly that which is done in secret and your giving in mine is between you and the lord and we're not going to bring you up and and applause i mean say for instance okay so you gave four hundred thousand dollars to the church great but what if you have four million dollars it's just a small portion of what you have and then we have this sister over here she only gives five hundred dollars to the lord only 500 compared to this big number over here, but compared to what she really has, that's like a majority of what she has. And so in order to remain, in order to remain a pastor who isn't partial and a leadership that doesn't show partiality, I don't even know who gives and who doesn't give. I want to serve as a pastor the person that gives that doesn't give because I realize it's between you and the Lord. It's your life. And I'll tell you, if you're not faithful in that area, if you're not faithful in that area of giving, it's going to show up in your life. And eventually we are going to be serving your family by some crisis. 
some issue in your life. Because it's just a symptom of where your heart is. And it's amazing, isn't it? Really, only you and the Lord know where your heart is. And the answer, well, the answer is to be faithful, not grudgingly, not of necessity or compulsion, but just to give freely, to be open, led by the Spirit. And so it is with anything we do for the Lord. The motive of the heart is important. It's not, I'm doing for you, God, because I have to. I'm doing for you, God, because I'm a Christian, and after all, this is what Christians do. But it is a free-flowing love motivation to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Now, with all that in mind, flip over to Romans chapter 10, and we'll tie it all together. And I realize, I recognize, whether you're here in the sanctuary today or tuning in on the Internet or even on the radio, for some of you, conviction has already fallen because you have been unfaithful with your finances. But you know, God, he is able to make a way to bring you back to faithfulness, to bring you back to a place of dependence and trust, to stretch you. And it's my prayer that's what you do. That in your life, you yield yourself so much to the Holy Spirit that money, time, ministry, whatever it might be that God is asking from you, that you would freely give and be obedient in that area. Not running away or shying away from God's will, but running into it. And so it's been some time since we were in Romans. So let's pick back up at verse 1. We really left off at verse 4 and we'll tie it all together. Christianity is not spelled capital D, capital O. You've got to understand that. Verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They created their own righteousness. The Messiah had come. Remember chapter 9, 10, and 11, Paul takes time to address the Jews in the audience. And he's describing what error they made. They clung to the law. Instead of running to the Messiah that was promised, they held on to the law for their righteousness. And they created their own form of righteousness. And because of that, notice verse 4. Now, Paul explains that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And therein lies the tension for us as believers. Will we relate to God legally by the law and actions and duty and performance? Is that how we relate to God? Do I live in Christ by my deeds? You know what that looks like is that when your deeds are going really well, I mean, when you're doing well, You're like, yes, I feel good about God. I feel good about life because I've had a good week. I've had a good time in devotions. I've been at church. I've done the things that I thought I was supposed to do and I have to. And then when you're doing well, well, you feel real good. But when you slip or you fall or you stumble and you're the one that's been relying on your law and you broke it, you get bummed out and discouraged. And you and I, if we choose to live that way, apart from the grace of God, We're setting ourselves up for even a greater failure. And so Christ is the end of the law of righteousness. Notice, for who? Those that believe. Those that have a belief in their heart. Will I trust and relate to God by trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Or will I keep trying and doing and working and never really feeling like I've pleased God at all? That's the tension here. It's the continual tension even in our lives. Will I relate to God by my works or will I relate to him by faith? You'll remember back in Romans chapter 7, you don't need to turn there, 
we learned that the law is holy, just, and good. And it is. But it wasn't given to man as a means by which you and I would be made righteous. I mean, listen, you could keep the law 99.99%. I mean, you could keep 99%. That would be a pretty good percentage. And very few people ever get there. That's, that'd be pretty good. But you know, according to James in chapter 2, that that one small percentage, if you fail in one area of the law, you know what the Bible says? You have failed in its totality. And now the law becomes a judgment of condemnation in your life. If you choose to live by the law, it will condemn you. And it will continue to condemn you. And the law has its place. It, It can change outward behavior. I mean, it can speak to you outwardly. It can speak to you and me about my behaviors and about what I do and what I don't it can command and it can demand from the outside, but it can never change you on the inside. You need Jesus. He'll change you on the inside. He'll change you in your mind and in your heart. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes because the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him by everyone that believes. Verse 5. He describes Romans chapter 10 now. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. So this is what this attitude of being a a law keeper. You know, I'm going to keep the law. Well, the person that's keeping the law is the man who does those things shall live by them. And that is the manner of life. Tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do. And that's how I'll live. But, verse 6, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Oh, don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. It's a heart thing. It's not, I'm going to work really hard to bring Jesus down. Or I'm going to really work hard to bring Jesus up. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more because then I'll have more of Jesus. No, he says, no. Here's the word of faith, the righteousness that you and I live in. You know, I love Jesus. He loves me. I have all of him, and he has all of me. It's that simple. We've been looking at the book of Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And if you missed any portion, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. Load the messages onto your mobile device and listen at the gym, in the car, or wherever you go. Just go to AboundingGraceRadio.com to learn more about that. You can also get our app. It's available on all platforms. This is another way to hear our program. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, some of our listeners may have noticed we haven't changed our programming very much in the midst of the pandemic. Would you explain the thought process behind that decision? Yeah, Larry, we chose not to alter our program all that much. Uh, But to begin with, I really believed that to get our minds off of the topic would be very helpful. And I know I'm not the only pastor that didn't alter their programming, but so many were altering their programming that I think that, the, that it's very well covered. Messages on hope, messages on encouragement. Even in our own church, I delayed a few weeks before I began to minister uh, the, the Word of God in comfort and strength, and I just continued teaching verse by verse. Um, but I wanted to keep things as regular as possible. I wanted to get our minds on something other than the pandemic. I wanted to 
keep our minds focused in this fascinating, powerful, life-giving study in the book of Romans. And, and we're not opposed to switching things up. We certainly have, uh, and we certainly will, uh, to be led by the Spirit. And that's really my heart's desire, is to be led by the Spirit as much as possible. And we just wanted to keep, the, keep regularity, uh, just keep something familiar. And I have to say, uh, the feedback that we've received from continuing to air these studies in Romans has been tremendous, and it's been more feedback than we usually get. So thank you guys uh, for writing us, for emailing us, uh, and for checking in and just letting us know that this study through Romans has been a tremendous, uh, overwhelming blessing in your life. Thanks for sharing that with us. With the COVID-19 pandemic going on, you might have a little extra time on your hands these days as you're at home. Why not pull out a good book that can build you up in the Lord? We'd like to suggest A Tale of Three Kings by Jean Edwards. It's based on the biblical figures of David, Saul, and Absalom. If you've ever experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, this will be very encouraging to you. There's comfort, healing, and hope to be found in A Tale of Three Kings. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Please remember, it's through your support that we're able to present this radio program on this station and others like it. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with the ordering details. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.